0: Hello! Welcome to Episode 4 of Beloved by God. With Thanksgiving upon us, I feel led to release a holiday edition of Beloved by God. Tonight, you'll hear how to keep your serenity during the holidays, and we'll explore and address the raw pain that often overshadows this season for many. Before we begin, grab a pen and some paper, or whatever medium you prefer to use, as this is an interactive episode. We'll be opening in prayer, but not just any prayer. It's a serenity prayer. This prayer is one of my favorite. We'll spend some time breaking it down over the first half of the episode, and I'll ask introspective questions. Amen. Let us begin. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Oxford Dictionary defines serenity as the state of being calm, peaceful, and untroubled. We're going to do a serenity checkup, which means that we're going to break it down part by part and analyze what it means through Scripture. So let us begin with, God, grant me the serenity, Philippians 4.7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does the serenity that you are asking God for look or feel like? Take some time, pause the podcast, and take a few minutes to write on this question. To accept the things I cannot change. Romans 8.28 states, And we all know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to His purpose. Take a few moments to list the people, places, or things in your life that you're still trying to control or change. Why do you think you really have the power to change or control them? Next, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Psalm 29.11 says, The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. What are the things that with God's strength you have the control over to change in your life. There really are only three of them. You can change your attitude, acceptance, and actions. When you change your attitude, you change your mind and the way you think about others. When you change your acceptance, you change your heart and the way you feel about others. And when you change your actions, you change how you relate to others. James 1.5 states, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and He will gladly tell you, for He is always ready to give you a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask Him. He will not resent it. Take a moment. Pause. List the issues in your life that you need to change. Be specific after each issue. Write one or two sentences. An action plan to get started. Living one day at a time. Enjoying one moment at a time. Matthew 6.34 says, So don't be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow, too. Live one day at a time. If we stay stuck in the failures of our past, we can't find the serenity right here in the present. If you are worrying about all the things of your future, you can't find serenity of today. Worrying never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only steals joy from today. So, how do you stay focused today? Take a moment to describe how you felt the last time you slowed down long enough to enjoy the moment. Next, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. 1 Peter 5-10 says, And after you suffer a short time, God who gives all grace will make everything right. He will make you strong and support you and keep you from falling. He called you to share in His glory in Christ, a glory that will continue forever. 1 James 2-4 says, My brothers and sisters, when you have many kinds of trouble, you should be full of joy, because you know that these troubles test your faith, and this will give you patience. Let your patience show itself perfectly in what you do. Then you will be perfect and complete, and will have everything you need. Take a moment to answer this question. How did Christ help you through your latest hardship or struggle? You might currently be in a hardship or struggle. Think back to the last time you had one, and how did he help you overcome it? Next, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Proverbs 15:3 and 11 states, The Lord's eyes see everything. He watches both evil and good people. The Lord knows what is happening in the world of the dead, so he surely knows the thoughts of the living. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 says, You are the world's seasoning to make it tolerable. If you lose your flavor, what will happen to the world? And you yourselves will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the world's light, a city on a hill, glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good deeds glow for all to see, so they will praise your Heavenly Father. How are you trying to change the world, and by whose will? Are you trying to base your serenity on the world or the Word? Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord in whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. John 14.27 states, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you isn't fragile, like the peace of the world gives you. Don't be troubled or afraid. Take a moment to describe the difference between being reasonably happy and supremely happy. Now, let's pray the serenity prayer again. This time, include your answers and comments to each question. We'll read the corresponding Bible verses aloud after we pray each line. Thank God for helping you find serenity. So now what we'll do is say the serenity prayer one more time, but I'll include my answers as an example. God, grant me the serenity. What does the serenity that you are asking God for look like and feel like? For me, serenity is really being present. It's not worrying about tomorrow. It's about being present with my kids, my wife, not obsessing over the things I really have no control over. And I think a big breakthrough for me was realizing that there's not much we we can really control in our lives. God knows our directions. We have free will. But when it comes to... The things that happen to us and around us, what happens in politics, what happens, you know, in in our own churches even, we don't have a whole lot of control over that. But what we do have is the ability to manage ourselves, And that's something that I'm continuing to work on to find serenity. To accept the things I cannot change, take a few moments to list some of the people, places, and things in your life that you are still trying to change and control. Why do you think you really have the power to change or control them? I would say with this one, I manage a lot of people, and one of the things that is a false belief is that I can control how people show up. In reality, I only have so much influence. I think about how we raise our children, and when they're little, we can control everything, really, what they eat, what they wear, but eventually we lose control as they turn into teenagers and young adults and leave the house. Ultimately, it's about how we influence. I don't always show up well in that framework, so... It's important for me to assess myself, my motives, and also just make sure that I'm doing my best to be a good boss, a good leader, a good Christian. And so that's how I would answer this one. The courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. What are the things that with God's strength you have the control over to change in your life? I really think the only thing I have the control to change is how I show up, like I said before, and influence, but also surrendering things to God and not feeling like I have to do this on my own, because I don't, and you don't either. And I think that is so important to unlock that, that often we pray to God, we ask God for help, but then we say, nah, I got this. You know what, God, I I can handle this. Or we're in such a frenzy, we don't assess and pray and stop and slow down and, and say, God, I need you to move. And so, that's one of the things that I'm working on, is being more present all day an open dialogue with the Lord. Because I think if I can do that, I can change a lot of the outcomes that are in my life just by tapping into God. Take a moment, pause, and list the issues in your life that you need to change. Be specific. After each issue, write one or two sentences an action plan to get started. For this one, I would say one or two things that I need God's help to change is my anger. I don't always show up well in that regard. My family of origin, it doesn't justify it, but it explains it. Fight, flight, or freeze was very heightened in my family of origin. I'm a fighter first. I don't know of a fight I've ever backed down from. And that's dangerous because there are fights in this world that you cannot win. And so one of the things I want to change is my anger. And one of the things that I can do to help with that, is really slow down, and when I feel myself getting elevated, removing myself from whatever the catalyst is for that elevation, and making sure that I'm tapping into God in that very second, saying, God, I need your help right now. I need you right now. I'm hitting the panic button. Uh, I feel out of control. Help me gain control, Lord. Help me. Give me the words to speak in this moment. And sometimes it's okay to, to pause and do that and ask people for forgiveness and say, hey, look, I need to step away real quick. I've got to get myself together. That's totally fine. But we don't do that. Instead, we say things we can't take back, and we act out of anger. Another thing I would like to change about myself is the pressure I put on myself to perform. I grew up in a family that you were only as good as your last report card, not expressing uh, feelings. So I suppressed a lot of feelings uh, as a child. And one of the things that happened uh, doing that over time is I began to have unrealistic expectations and put pressure on myself that if I couldn't perform, then I was a failure. Uh, if I didn't perform at a perfect level, this this perfectionism that I put on my shoulders really just it fed depression. When my identity was challenged in that uh, I didn't get an A on that report card or I, I didn't show up well and uh, perform in that sporting event, when I didn't perform at the highest level possible, my identity was in crisis because my identity was based on perfection. My identity was based on performance when my identity really needs to be based on Christ. And and I think some of that has translated into my adulthood. So a good example for me is the difference between complacency and contentment. Complacency says, I don't care what happens. Contentment says I've done the best of my ability. Whatever happens is going to happen. And that's okay. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. So how do you stay focused on today? Take a moment to describe how you felt the last time you slowed down long enough to enjoy the moment. Man, this was recently for me, and it was so unique that it really was a conversation piece between my wife and I. We took a trip to Fort Walton Beach, Florida, vacation, and and brought the boys with us, and I just said, you know what? God, if I can do anything right this vacation, let me be present. And ultimately, it worked. I uh, would wake up each morning and me and the boys would go out and search for shells at night. We would go look for crabs. We didn't have an agenda. Really, each day as it came, we just enjoyed each other's company, woke up late, ate breakfast, did what we wanted to do, did what we were called to do. And it was one of the best, most relaxing vacations I've ever taken. I, I truly did enjoy that time because, man, we get so caught up and it's got to be perfect. Perfect. Or if we don't get to this place at this time, then our reservation is going to be canceled. Or, hey, if we don't get the fast pass, we're not going to be able to go on this ride at Disney. Um, And that creates just unnecessary drama, unnecessary pressure. To not have that pressure and to ask for it to be removed and for God, you know what, God, just let me be present, uh, was such a, a godsend. It was really just an incredible, incredible time. Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace I would say one of the latest hardships or struggles I've had is with friends of mine who are struggling um, with their sobriety, struggling with staying, staying the course, struggling with you know, walking in faith, and staying encouraged myself to walk alongside them and not give up on them. God is the only way I'm able to do that. I'm not going to ridicule somebody for relapsing. I've relapsed before. There's nothing that feels good about it because you feel like you failed, you've fallen again, you'll you'll never be clean. But in reality, relapse is part of the walk that we have. And eventually we can find extended sobriety. So it's important to not uh, give up on people uh, when they fall short or do something silly or fall into sin. Um, It's my job as a Christian to rally alongside them, to say, Brother, get up, take my hand, let's go together, come on, get up one more lap let's do this and so christ has really helped me with that struggle uh, being a sponsor to people being encouraging to people it's not always easy but it's totally worth it and and i love these men and they love me and it's it's more than just a sponsorship it's friendship honestly it's one of the best things taking as jesus did the sinful world as it is not as i would have it how are you trying to change the world by whose power and whose will Are you trying to based on your serenity of the world or the word? Man, this is a deep question. I'm bipolar. And so being bipolar, there's a lot of impulsivity. There's been a lot better, but there's been in the past a lot of reckless behavior. Things where I'm experiencing mania, this overwhelming urge to make something happen. And you put so much energy into it. Like I wrote a 53-page business plan in one night, and it was to prosper myself. It was uh, from a place of insane, and it uh, it wasn't good, it wasn't godly, it wasn't something that I was trying to do to serve the Lord. It was something I was trying to do to impress others, and I think that's the biggest difference. With everything that I do, am I trying to impress somebody else, or am I trying to take the Word of God and bring light to it? Am I trying to take the Word of God and build something that is going to honor His kingdom? Not mine. I check my motives now. I check my motives with not just myself, my, but my wife, my accountability partners, people that I admire and, and, and love. I ask them, I ask them point blank, what do you think about this idea? Is this a good idea? I even ask my wife point blank, am, am, I, am I experiencing mania right now? Like, am I acting awkward to you? Like, have you seen any bizarre obsessive behavior lately where I'm just like, you know, fidgeting and just irritable and trying to make an outcome happen? And she's honest with me. If she sees it, she calls it out. And I'm so grateful for that. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Man, I love that. The peace I give you isn't fragile. I was a hot mess before the Lord. And to feel His peace now, uh, that's how I know I'm right, is when I'm feeling peaceful. Uh, When I'm living in in God's Word and, and I can feel His presence. I'm at peace. And so describe the difference between being reasonably happy and supremely happy. I I can be reasonably happy after having a great breakfast. Uh, I can feel content. Or if I did a good job at work, uh, I could be reasonably happy with that. But supremely happy, I, I don't think anything is supremely happy Unless you know the Lord in heaven and the angels are clapping and cheering. So supremely happy would be sharing the gospel with somebody that hasn't heard it. You know, being the hands and feet of Jesus. They were hungry and you gave them something to eat. They were thirsty and you gave them something to drink. They were lonely and you were a friend. And not doing it because I'm going to check off a box and that's going to get me into heaven. But just that becoming part of who you are. Uh, That is supremely happy. The best joy that I get in life is serving others and being a servant leader. So I think supreme happiness can only come through being a servant leader and serving others just like Jesus showed us how to do. So now we're going to switch gears a little bit. I hope you enjoyed that exercise. The next part that we're going to talk about is how people can be lonely during the holidays. You know, one in eight Americans will celebrate Thanksgiving alone this year. And so I don't want to just put on a special podcast episode and and not acknowledge those people that are lonely. So the first thing I want to do with this is just say, look, if you're alone right now, I'm sorry. I know what it's like to be alone. I know what it's like to isolate. I know what it's like to put myself in that box. And I just want to acknowledge you That if you feel alone right now, I'm sorry. And you're not really alone. Even though you feel like you're alone, just listen to my voice right now. You're not alone. God is right there with you. He was with me when I was in my mess. We serve a God of both hills and valleys. And it's important to know that when we feel the most alone, when we feel like God is the most quiet, sometimes we're in a test. You know, in school, we used to take tests. The teacher is quietest during the test. And so I think it's important to know that if you feel alone or you physically are alone, You won't be alone forever, especially if you start putting yourself out there. You know, some of the things that I would say you could do is volunteer, show up at church, join a small group. All of those things are going to keep you from isolating and put some accountability on your shoulders to not isolate. One of the things I would suggest, invite somebody over for Thanksgiving. I mean, imagine if every Christian house invited just someone over, someone that they knew would be alone for Thanksgiving. Imagine what that could do to skew some of these crazy numbers that I'm reading here about suicide rates, not just this time of the year, but in America. You know, last year the CDC said that we had 49,449 Americans taking their lives. 39,255 were male, 10,194 were female. So the bottom line is, suicide, loneliness, spares no race, affluency, demographic, religion, or culture. If you can't invite someone over... Consider cooking a meal for someone, volunteering at a local soup kitchen or a food pantry, or a food bank. Meals on Wheels is a great organization, and it's almost in every single major city. You can find out more at MealsOnWheelsAmerica.org for volunteer opportunities. I hope you have a blessed Thanksgiving next week, and I pray that you're able to do some of these things, to slow down and actually be present, to answer some of these questions honestly and, and introspectively think about them. And then to go through the serenity prayer and actually line by line, break it down, fill in the blanks, and have meaning behind words. You know, When we pray and we don't slow down, or we don't mean what we say, or we're just saying what sounds good versus saying what's real and raw and authentic, we're really not praying. We just sound like noise. That's what, that's what it is. We're just doing it as a formality more than doing it as a lifeline. And so happy Thanksgiving to those of you that will be celebrating Thanksgiving next week you were invited to Highland Baptist Church. It's in New Iberia, Louisiana, 6.30 p.m. on Thanksgiving. Uh, We will be cooking and celebrating and eating. And, you know, if there was a hashtag for this episode, it would be no leftovers, you know, no leftovers for Thanksgiving. If we can invite people over, invite them in, bring them food. If we're not comfortable inviting them in, oh my God, uh, we could make a difference and skew some of these results. And If you know somebody that's struggling with depression, self-harm, or potentially suicide, you know, you can have them call 988. Text or call 988. It is the suicide prevention line. Uh, It's 24-7 operated. You can do that. Get them some help. Get them to a church so they can talk to a pastor. Or just listen. And if they really are at risk of killing themselves, take them somewhere. Bring them somewhere. Don't leave them alone. Don't let them isolate. Do what you can do. And so, let's finish with the serenity prayer. One last time. We'll commit it to memory this time. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right, if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can uh, help us at www.patreon.com belovedbygod. We just got the website up, belovedbygod.com. That's really just a domain that I attach to our podcast page. And then in the future, uh, we will have testimony, and that's the primary objective of these podcasts. This is just the holiday edition. We had some scheduling conflicts with Nathan. He and I are going to meet next Tuesday at 9 and finally get that beautiful testimony uh, to you guys. So thanks for your patience. Thanks for listening. Please share, like, and subscribe. That's the best way you can support us right now, building up a base of people to hear this word and hear the message. Amen. God loves you, and so do I.